Welcome to another episode of Ramones Mania, a podcast for Ramones fans by a Ramones fan talking about the Ramones. I'm your host, Didi Thorazine, and this week, my friends, wow, it's a big one. My guest is the one and only Perry Leanhouse of the band The Travolters. Now, I probably got his name wrong, and if I did, I do apologize, Perry. I'm not good with people's names. Let's just put it at that. But anyway, I remembered it, kind of. But anyway, <laughs> hell yeah, Perry has come on the show this week to talk all about the world of these Beach Boys-inspired power pop that the band is known for. The band have just reissued their Team Beat record through Stardom Records, and that is available right now. So you can pause this if you like, jump on a Stardom Records, buy yourself a copy, and live happily ever after, and then get back to listening to this. But before we get stuck into this episode, I just want to let you know that you can follow the podcast on social media. There's an Instagram page, uh, which is at Ramones Mania Podcast. There's a Facebook page for you to interact with. Uh, unfortunately, I don't really use Facebook like at all. But anyway, if you want to get in touch with me, you can always email me at Podcast at gmail.com. So we can chat there. Or you can just hit me up on the Instagram because I check that all the time. But anyway, the Travolta's. Like I said, Perry joins the show today and he's here to talk about a whole bunch of things. But of course, we talk about his experiences with the Ramones and of course, working with Marky Ramone, who, for those who don't know, he produced their second album, Modern World, which is, it's kind of unusual to hear of Marky Ramone producing a record. So that's a really interesting conversation that we have. So you'll enjoy that. But yeah, there's heaps in here and I hope you get a kick out of it. So as I always say, because I don't want to babble on long, you've heard enough, let's just get right to it, because this is a good one. Grab yourself your favourite beverage, put your feet up, kick back, and enjoy Perry and I as we chat about all things Ramones Mania. Enjoy. Do you wanna go out with me? 
I must say, man, like, uh, thank you so much for finding the time to do this tonight. Uh, well, to, I guess it's tonight for me, t- today for you, but I know that you uh, are very busy because you have one hell of a schedule, it seems like, with all the mastering and the producing and the recording. So I appreciate it, man. True. Yeah, anytime. And thanks for having me. It's really cool. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I've been listening to you guys for a long time now and it's just kind of like, I've got to get these guys on. You guys are kind of like the Swedish Beach Boys or something. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. (laughs) <laughs> which has got to got me thinking uh like you know sweden is not really a uh like a country we would associate with surfing and the beach and all that sort of stuff like um how's that connection happened for you guys because i mean all your albums seem to have like a a title of like you know or something related to surfing and the beach life and stuff so i i just want to just clarify that the travoltas are not from sweden the travoltas are originally from from the Netherlands, and uh, I just happen to to live in Sweden right now. I moved here a year ago from the United States. I was in, in the U.S. for for about fifteen years. Uh, but the the Travoltas are originally a band from from the Netherlands, and you know, close enough to Sweden that uh, in that that we don't have that surf culture like you see in California, for example, or yeah. Hawaii or, or Australia. But there's all there's always been a longing for that kind of uh, lifestyle. At least, at least with me when I was a teenager, that's what I uh, was thinking about. You know, that that's what I was dreaming about. Life on the beach, the surf culture, and uh, the music that went along with it, especially music from, from the 60s, the Beach Boys, Jan and Dean, and uh, just in general, that, that 60s culture really uh, really spoke to me at a very young age, and, and that just translated to, to what became the, the Travoltas later on. Right, okay. So you, are you originally from the Netherlands yourself then, even before the States? So, yeah. Yep, yeah, okay. Yeah, I am, yeah. Nice. And uh, what what made you uh, decide to head to the USA? Just a uh, career change or just, you know? Sort of, yeah. So we, I, I was in the States in the late 90s and then I came back when the Team, uh, team Beat album did really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, my wife and I moved to the United States at the end of 2006 uh, when the Travoltas broke up initially. You know, we decided, okay, we've done what we wanted to do with the band we made the records we wanted to make and we didn't really have much to add and people were you know they they just went on with their lives and and other things and people got kids and everything so we decided to go to the states and just switch careers you know and and do something different okay nothing music so i went into to video production and did that until basically until we moved moved back to europe Meanwhile, I, I did started to do some music again, and, and, and that kind of accelerated again when, when the Travoltas regrouped, and we made the, the sort of comeback record in, in 2014. That's the uh, Until We Hit The Shore? Is that the, is that the one? That's, uh, that's the, uh, uh, the Longest Wait EP. The oh, album okay. came a couple of years later. Until We Hit The Shore was, uh, came out in 2017. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that long ago, actually. I'm thinking about it now because I've got that record. So, yeah, it's a good record, really good record. I like it. Nice pop music, so. I've been counting the days. I've been searching for ways. Figure out what the hell's on your mind. So I can't promise you, babe. 
to listen to it, especially in a time when we're going through, you know, such a shitty fucking experience with a pandemic. It's good <laughs> yeah. to hear fun, happy music again, uh, you know? A little uh, a little levity goes a long way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, we jumped the question, which I always start with, so I'm, I'm going to have to backtrack to it. And, uh, Perry, i got to know, because this is a question that I ask everyone, is that uh, do you remember the first time you ever heard the Ramones and what your immediate reaction to that was? Ooh, I don't think I remember the exact moment because I knew the Ramones before I actually heard them. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I knew them because of the song Rock and Roll High School, mm-hmm. which sometimes came on the radio and even uh, uh, Blitz Freak Bop sometimes came on the radio. And I, I didn't really know it was the Ramones. Maybe I was too young to realize. And I think I started listening to them more in a more conscious way in the uh, probably in the late eighties. Okay. Late eighties. Because I had I had friends that were more into rockabilly and and punk rock than than I was at the time. I was a total metalhead. I listened to Slayer, Metallica, and I made and you know the the we all were that one does in the in the mid eighties. <laughs> and uh, that was it for me. And I, you know, I went to see the shows, and and then I, I had friends in high school who were into other stuff. And I, I think I got into them to the Ramones through them. That's that's my best guess. But I don't remember like the exact moment that I that I. I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I didn't have the aha moment. <laughs> uh, like, oh. But you know, I think it, it was like a gradual gradual approach that yeah. i probably heard them on the radio a few times maybe uh, somebody put something in my drink was sort of a minor hit in the netherlands and maybe pet cemetery maybe i heard that on the radio uh and then later on came the older stuff and and you know once i got into him I, I was hooked you know it was it was just uh you just can't stop playing him yeah and i think it it blends really well with my love for the for the Beach Boys and, and rock and roll from the 50s and 60s. Because, you know, as much of a, a metalhead I, I was, I was always listening to rock and roll and Elvis and, and Johnny Cash because that's what my parents played in the house. So I, I grew up with that and I, and I never really stopped listening to it. Yeah, yeah, that's a similar story to me. My, my parents were always huge rock and rollers. They were always playing the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and, you know, it just seemed like, the right thing to do that you, you you know like a lot of kids grow up hating their parents music i never did i grew up loving my parents oh, music and that is know, awesome yeah yeah, yeah and here. i was able to just you know take that and then i just built on it and then became the acdc and the motorhead <laughs> and the venom and the iron maiden and all and, and yeah all of that stuff happened yeah. so yeah, yeah, awesome. Oh, I've got to ask this one as well. I mean, you've been in music, involved in music in a long time. Uh, did you ever get to see uh, the Ramones live or any of their solo projects? You know, I didn't. And it's, um, I did see the solo project, uh, Marky Ramone. I never saw the Ramones as a band. And to this day, I, I can get really mad about it because they came to to my hometown in that time that I was like, starting to listen to them so i didn't go mm-hmm. which was fucking insane if you think about it but i never saw them as a band but i i saw marky of course we worked with marky and i saw his side project with with Dee, Dee and joey which they called the remains for a while 
and I, I saw them. That's still pretty uh, awesome, so, though, man. <laughs> seeing that. Yeah. So <laughs> right. So I, so three quarters of the Ramones I saw perform. That's awesome. Well, you did get to see Didi. I never got to see Didi, man. I would love to have seen Didi play. So you know. That would have been a, that yeah. would have been a trip. So yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get to talk to him, but uh, maybe just... maybe for the better. Who knows? <laughs> he was already by that, by that time. <laughs> it's funny because uh, did you ever see that uh, the side project that Marky did called the Speed Kings? No, I don't. No, I don't. They, they had an album out on White Jazz, the, okay. the Swedish label, and uh, I, I saw them in the Netherlands, actually, is when I actually saw them. That's why I asked, because you know, you're having ties to the Netherlands. I just thought that uh, maybe it would have been bizarre if we were at the same show, because <laughs> like, <laughs> such a bizarre time. They were a good band. That's a really good rock and roll record. I think that uh, judging from the things you've mentioned about the Americana and the 50s and 60s rock and roll, I think you'd probably like the Speed Kings record. All the songs are about girls in gasoline i guess you can say cars and stuff like that so uh, cool a- I'll, I'll check that out that sounds and, and marky's playing drums i assume yep well, i saw you passing by the custom shop just the other day i can't stop thinking of the way you looked at me You reach your eyes are burning holes Deep inside my soul The devil told me I gotta have you before I fall I was standing there Waiting by the church Just a Sunday morning Try to hide my hurt You're that came up to me And told me to get lost You shouldn't have crossed my path Now he will pay the Grease my love, I smell of high octane Tears blur my sight, my heart is full of pain I've driven my car, I like the engine roar I've gotta teach your dad not to sweat no more Your daddy's telling me I smell of girls and gasoline Oh, But all my heart does is my friend of
I saw them. Uh, f- I saw four shows of them in the Netherlands. Uh, no, th- uh, three in the Netherlands and one in uh, in Bruges, I think, in Brussels. So okay. or Belgium, whatever it's called. Um, I can't remember now. It's, but uh, <laughs> I saw. I was in April Dawn. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing these pr- uh, these properly. Close enough. Uh, yeah. Askendi, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Enschede. That that place. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember the same night that we were there, Fish were playing as well. Um, <laughs> so, same, Quite the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. But they weren't on the same bill. And uh, what was the other place? Um, Hardenburg? Harden, is that what it's called? Hardenburg? Yeah, it's probably in the same area. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not not 100 sure on the. I mean, obviously, you know, Netherlands uh, geographic is second nature to me. So <laughs> it's small, so you're always close enough. So it's, <laughs> but it's it was, nothing compared to, to Australia. It's so small. <laughs> well, it is. It was a pretty rad time, though. I must say that uh, the Netherlands is beautiful. Absolutely loved it there, and uh, I had a great time seeing those shows. So cool. Yeah. I know these, you mentioned that you didn't get to meet Didi. Have you ever met any of the Ramones besides Marky? I know you worked with Marky, but have you ever met, did you get, ever get lucky to meet Johnny or any of the others just by a signing or something? No, I think, I think when we saw, when we saw the, the remains, I think Johnny was, was in, in, uh, California. in California already. Yeah. And, uh, we did get to shake, uh, Joey's hand. So, that's cool. Uh, that was a, a a feat to 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 remember, but uh, no, that was it. And and um, never saw Joey uh, solo or Dee Dee solo. But you know, we did play with Marky a lot, and and we worked with Marky, and that was that was our um, I guess our our collaboration or or um, as close as we got to the to the Ramones, so to speak. I mean, he produced the record, right? Like, yeah, he produced uh, "Modern World." Hmm. We went to to Brooklyn to record the album, and um, yeah, that was just an awesome experience. You know, not just because it's it's a Ramon, but that was you know already on its own, like a lot, a lot of a lot of fun to experience. But just the whole experience itself, working with him in the studio and just learning what a real professional does in the studio that was sort of you know eye-opening for us yeah uh, we were already pretty disciplined at the time and we you know we were focused and but it was nothing compared to how he did it in the studio and we learned a lot and from then on i think i think we kind of stuck with that mentality whenever we hit the studio the rehearsal room it's you know it's business and and you focus and you get the job done no matter what you know that's Definitely what we took away from that experience. Yeah, that seems like it would have been pretty amazing. And also, especially for the fact that Mark is not someone who ever gets really credited as being a producer. So that's what right. really was really interesting for me. And especially with you, yourself being a producer, um, like what sort of uh, ideas, like things did he bring to the table that you hadn't even thought of? Was there any types of, you know, maybe he just suggested different amps or uh, anything like that or was it just purely the song structures or, or what was it that he brought it was a little bit of both so we had a lot of conversations be- before because we were on tour with him when we approached him and, and and we started talking about you know doing an album together he already listened to the demos and he would give us some points here and there and when we went into the studio he pretty much picked okay we're going to use this drum kit which i was his i believe we're going oh, nice. to use we we used CJ's bass amp because that's the sound that he that he liked. He pretty much picked the studio and like this is what we're going to use because 
he I probably he had his reasons to do it because that that was the sound that he had in mind and mm. and uh, and we worked together with him during the production. I'd say it was very collaborative, but uh, he was definitely in charge in that that he was really in control during the during the uh, the recording because it was really a matter of. I mean, he would he would be at seven o'clock in the morning. He would he would standing next he would stand next to our beds and he would almost yell at us like, "Wake up! We're going to the studio." <laughs> and then we we were there until like you know midnight or one o'clock at night. It was just long days, and it was always like sometimes he would ask, "Do you think you you can do this better?" Okay, then do it again. Or he would just say, "Again, again." <laughs> And again and again and again, and we just do takes over and over and over again. And later, I, I read about like when they worked with Phil Spector during the uh, end of the century album. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like that too, that they would do take take after take after take. And uh, of course, we knew that he made big albums and worked with big producers, so he had that experience. And uh, obviously, you know, he brought some of that to the studio as well. And I think uh, it was a very, very good experience for us in terms of how to behave and how to work in a studio. That's really yeah. cool. That's like life lessons, man, that you would take on forever. I know, you know? I know. No, I, I'm still very <laughs> grateful for it because, you know, we could have done it ourselves or, you know, could just go to a studio and hang out. But And maybe it would have been a, a good album anyway, but we really learned a lot about it. And I think the way we approached the, the album after uh, Modern World, when Team Beat came out, when we were in a studio doing Team Beat, we pretty much continued that kind of discipline and that kind of approach to recording with our, where you, you know, only the best take is good enough, you know? Yeah. And, and if you haven't gotten there, then you just continue until you have it. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying cuz I mean, I I like recording, but it does drive me fucking insane. Like it really does. It's a <laughs> it's like groundhog day for a lot of people uh, that I mean, that go into the studio because it is like if you don't have a producer like you know there's two types of people like you look at like someone like Steve Albini who just records you that's his job is to make it sound good but he's not a producer so he's not going to tell you how to compose your songs and then you've got the other people uh, who are engineers but they want to be producers as well and so they've got their own ideas to throw at you as well like someone like Ed Stasium so there's like the two the two types and so I've never ever worked with a, with somebody like an Ed Stasium I'd love to work with somebody who says hey I like that but you could do this instead try this and see what happens I've never had that experience, man. Always wanted to, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You learn so much from it, and and you have to, you know, check your your ego at the door because it can be like ego and soul crushing to work like that because mm. you know you've written the songs and you think they're great, and and you know when you just come off a tour, you're all like pumped and you think you can, you know, manage the whole world, but and then you go into a studio and then somebody else tells you that it's not good enough. You know, so you have to be prepared for that. When I produce a record, I like to be somewhere in the middle where I think you could push people to get the best out of them, but it shouldn't be at the level where they lose confidence or, or the joy of, of recording or making making the music. Because in the end, you know, it's about the artist and it's about their songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I produce a record, I'm, I'm, I'm there to help and to, to make it as, as good as, as they possibly can be but not to the point where you know i would take over and and they're just you know puppets that i move around 
You know, I, yeah. I would hate to work like that. There are producers who are very successful in doing that, you know, and, and their and their records sound great. But you gotta you gotta wonder like how much how much is the artist involved in those records? Yeah. So you're coming from like, you know, the pop capital of the world. So, you know, yourself now being in Sweden, like uh, you've got some of the biggest producers there that produce some of the biggest singles in the world, uh, especially, you know, Max Martin and Shellback, who who just seem to, that's all they can do. It's like these guys can't write a song that fails. I I don't know how they do it. I really don't. And I'm just wondering if uh, all that stuff is, if that's all the ABBA and all that that has come out of uh, Sweden, because it seems Sweden has had a massive influence on pop music, just in general, like the harmonies that we're hearing in a lot of songs today are inspired by Swedish music. Is that something you've noticed as well? Yeah, and obviously when we moved here, I I knew that. And once I I rented a place here to to work from, uh, where I work now in the studio, there are a couple other studios and and producers working there as well in in other other rooms. And, you know, 
I'm I'm a curious person, but so I I ask questions and and they and they say these things too, like you know, like the music or not. But Max Martin opened a lot of doors for Swedish producers, and then I, but I also think like this started way way before him, you know, with ABBA and rock set, you know, and bands mm-hmm. like that or groups like that that were so dominant during. 70s and the 90s and 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 not even now and even in the metal genre during the 90s and and still to this day the stockholm sound is is known all over the world so there i don't know what it is i haven't put my finger haven't been able to put my finger on it yet but uh maybe it's something in the water but they <laughs> just do have a very good sense of melody and i have to say people in the studio at least the people i work with uh, they all work very hard and they're very serious about their art. You know, they yep. approach it in a very in a very serious way, and I love that because it is art, and it doesn't matter if it's three three chord punk rock or the next big jazz record with a jazz singer and, and a whole string ensemble. You know, uh, it doesn't it, it doesn't matter. They really approach it very seriously, and and the, and and they work on it. For, long, for a long period of time, I noticed that too, and they really try to perfect it. Yep, and it, and it shows, you know, it, it really shows. Oh, absolutely, I am amazed about the, you know, when I listen to pop music or whatever, and I hear that, you know, it's being produced by or written by, you know, uh, Max Martin and Shellback, or even people, other people from Sweden, I just sit there and think like, man, like, how do they do it? Like, this is something that has been ingrained in their culture. It's just like harmonies, big, huge harmonies. Every chorus should be an anthem. You know, it's like they just listen to endless amounts of cheap trick and said, this is how you write songs. (laughs) It's interesting. I think you you have a good point because when you, when I drive around in my car and I, and I turn the radio on, it's always music with, with big anthems. They, Mm -hmm. I think they love it because it it may be, I think it's similar in Germany where it's just like a a high level of sing-along stuff on the radio. Yep. And and I think uh, when you grow up with that, it's it's just hard to to get it out of your system, I guess. And even even with metal bands, you know, you have like big choruses yep. and and you know just sing along stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you look at even though, I, I must be part of the culture. I think it is. It, it definitely must be a, a Scandinavian sound because you know it's been happening yeah. with all the bands that I that I that I like that are from Scandinavia. All have big choruses. Everything from like you know like the fucking helicopters to Hanoi Rocks or right, to. Right. You know, to yeah. uh, Turbo Negro or, you know, whatever. Like, you've got these bands that are from all, you know, three, we just picked three different countries there, but they've all got those massive choruses. Doesn't matter how distorted oh. the helicopters get on that first record, it's still sing along choruses. You know, it's exactly right. Yeah. You can still sing along. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a quality that is almost unmatched in the world. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look what they've done for it. Like, and the thing is, is that it doesn't just. It's like other people around the world are going to these Swedish producers for this help, like because I guess they get it. You know, like Bon Jovi's fucking one of their biggest songs is "It's My Life," and that was written by Match Market. Like, it's it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, you know? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got? Have you ever met those guys? No, I do. I do work with a, a, a one of the studio owners that I work with. Is is um, he does some work. For stuff that that is related to that group of songwriters that sort of hover around Max Martin, and he does a lot of mixing. Uh, so I need to pick his brain a little bit more. 
because obviously it's very fascinating. It's a very different realm of music that I work in, of course, but there are so many similarities in, in terms of production and in terms of melody. And, and uh, I just find it very fascinating how that world works and how they craft their, their songs. Yeah, and, I'm the same. And, you know how they approach it. You know, obviously in a very serious matter, and but at the same time they they just uh, they're very creative too. So uh, it's a very interesting combination. Yeah, I'm very curious too. I always uh, laugh when I see that. You know, they look like like they're a couple of metalheads, like they've been in black metal bands or something. You know, they they don't look like the the clean cut norm that you would expect. You know, when you when right, you see right. these guys, they look like they've you know. Oh yeah, we probably and I think didn't one or two of them play in a metal band or a hardcore band or a punk yeah, band or something? I think, I think I think it was Max Martin who was actually a metalhead himself before he actually started working in the studio. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So cool. <laughs> I'd love to yeah. I'd love to yeah, I'd love and to sit down. And <laughs> they must have amazing stories as well. You mean know, considering that oh, you know, yeah. all they do is just they just have this key to writing a hit single. Like it doesn't matter who it is, it's gonna be a hit. You know, it's incredible. Like the magic touch, I guess, but you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the sun is out there and I'm feeling alright. But it is not fair that I do leave tonight I wish I could stay a little longer This little world of fear and hope Now I know where I belong, you I don't wanna go home Maybe I'm crazy But you make me sick for good And I thought me maybe It's gonna be alright. It's gonna be alright. 
on from uh, from them, you know, this isn't the Max Martin and Shellback podcast, although it probably could be this episode. But, um, <laughs> one of the things I did want to know is that because, you know, you did get to work with Marky and whatever, and, uh, you know, being a Ramones fan, I just have to ask, did he give you any really bizarre stories about the Ramones that you had not heard before that you did not know about? Like something that was – that you think – was probably just told to you because you guys just pestered him about it one day and he just said, oh, yeah, this happened. Well, yeah, he did. Uh, not so much when we were on tour with him, but when we stayed at his place and, you know, we got to know his wife and, and she had great stories. Just a, lot of, just a lot of weird stories about them on tour, about how crazy it was in, in South America, how they would, you know, travel from the airport in, in, a, in a little van and then people would run after them on the highway. Yeah. Like thousands. On the like stuff like that, and he would show some of his home videos that he made. That later on, later on, they became, I think, a DVD that he that he released. Yeah, the but raw he would DVD. show show us these like these tapes of of them on tour and backstage, which was awesome and often hilarious. But they had he had so many stories. It was it was just uh, uh, and he knew that you know we we like to hear about it. So he was he was told a. Uh, Totally a good sport about it, and and we would just talk about it when we when we would ask something, and his and his wife would would too. It was it was awesome. It was awesome to hear because it it really gives you a sort of a look, you know, in, in to the Ramones that we don't really know as a listener, you know, and as a fan. Mm. Uh, you, you see shows, or you you know you listen to the records, or you you hear you read some books, but those were like stories that you know were personal and some vendettas going on in, in the in the band and that, that was interesting and also sometimes mind opening like okay that's why this this sounds like this or that's why that song was written yeah for sure <laughs> it's like it's it, it's kind of sad and, and it's also cool in a way like you know but it's just you you do wish when you know when i first discovered them you wished that they were the happy family band you know that everyone got along right. and then you find out that it wasn't really like that at all and it's kind of like oh man like really <laughs> so. yeah. Because, yeah because they had such a long career and, and you wonder like how how did you manage to stay together for so long when when you didn't really get along mm. you know yeah. At all, like how, how? What was the atmosphere in the tour van, for example, or backstage? You know. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's it's hard to 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 imagine when, especially when you're a fan of the band, like you say, you just want them to to get along and be a happy family. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Did he give you any uh, like any cool pieces of memorabilia or anything that he had lying around? They say, "Hey, take this, you're a fan," and you know. No, no, he didn't. Um, I can't. Re- no, I can't recall. He uh, he was very generous with his with his time and 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 obviously you know when he invited us in in his home, but uh, no, but that you know I'm I'm fine with that. I'm I was I'm really grateful that we got to work with him and and uh, uh, you know take a peek into the the life behind the the Ramones and that was just an awesome experience. Plus we were a lot younger, so it was it was you know it was it was impressive at that time too. Yeah, <laughs> you're fanboying, which is uh, I think is totally understandable. Yeah. Because I did the same thing when yeah. I went and saw him in Netherlands. I was fanboying the whole every all four shows. I was just like, oh my god, it's fucking remote. <laughs> right, so, it just comes with the territory. Yeah, and it's hard to hide, you know, especially when when you hear the stories, and it's it's hard to hide the, the love for the band and 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 how you admire the guys. But uh, I think I think in the end we we didn't go too crazy, so we managed to to keep it. 
at a sane level. <laughs> have you got a big like a uh, Ramones collection or anything like that? Do you collect stuff like when you when when you see it around? I mean, I've got, I'm one of those people that if there's the Ramones logos on anything, I just grab it. So I've got like you know everything from like fucking socks and shoelaces and all this other stuff just because it's got the Ramones logo on it. We got the shirts, you know. We got the albums. I don't really do that for any band. To be honest, um, not even the Beach Boys. I do buy some, you know, box sets or something. But when I go to a show, I may buy a shirt. But I don't. I don't really do that anymore. Uh, I have so much crap already that I <laughs> that I just I just don't. I don't have space for it, and I don't know what to do with it too. Yeah. So like I would love to have it all, but at the same time, like there's other things that I probably need more than, you know, another Ramones shirt or a Ramones pillow or something even though it's awesome <laughs> I, I don't know maybe I'm just too cheap Let, let's let's keep it at that maybe I'm just too cheap to to really dive into the memorabilia because I don't have any memorabilia of any band <laughs> well you've got a studio to upkeep man I'm sure that's not right cheap. right that's <laughs> only more expensive than cables that's already more more uh, than I want to part with money-wise you know <laughs> and that's just the cables so like, yeah that's understandable things i did want to ask you about as well is because you know being that you did do the album with him was there ever talk of like maybe you know did he was with marky saying oh maybe we should write a song together or like uh you know like anything in the future like in the future or maybe even i'm guessing trying to making him trying to make you cover a ramones tune or a marky ramone in the intruders or something no we did we did uh we did get pretty close with the guys in the intruders um especially johnny uh pisano the bass player but 
we never really set on like further collaboration. I think after that, the intruders stopped playing. They didn't release any more records. And I think then he started forming other groups. But at one point, we, we kind of drifted away and did our own thing with Team Beat and then even more so with Club Nouveau. And then we sort of returned to our older sound with, with Endless Summer. Maybe at that time, it would have been a cool thing to do, but it never really materialized. I don't think um, it was on his mind, to be honest. And, and we kind of moved on, too. I, I think, you know, we really appreciated the experience, but... I also think like, okay, let's not, you know, let's not keep coming back to Marky and, and, and try to do stuff together. Um, I also don't want to bother him constantly with, with the Travolts, at, at, at least not at that time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like I want to come back like, hey, we're back here. And then, you know, it becomes sort of a thing. So it never really materialized. And I don't, I don't think we were really thinking about that, too, at, at that time. I, we were always thinking about the next thing. Like, we, we got the experience. We learned a lot from it. We, it was an awesome time. But now it's time for the next for the next album or the next tour or the next thing. Yeah. So, uh, and that's how we still operate, even though at a, at a much smaller scale, because obviously it's not our main thing anymore. But you know, we're always working on the next and looking forward to the next release or the or the next show or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's it is bizarre when you've got members in band, like when you've got a band, but everyone's in other bands and doing other things. Like right. how you decide, like when you write songs, like oh, this should be a Travolta song or this should be, uh, you know, for my other projects or something. Like how you decide when. You know, if especially like I find that as a, a a problem for myself. You know, when I'm trying to write songs for different things, it's just like uh, it all still sounds like the one band. You know, like do you find yeah. that that you have those sorts of you know, I guess uh, I don't know what they call them, like you know, where you just get stumped on something. Yeah, it's it's very hard not to write for the Travoltas because I've been in this band since 1990, so 30 <laughs> That's years. That's a now. long time, man. <clears throat> I know. I've, I've been longer in the Travoltas than not in my lifetime. So <laughs> that, is, that is weird. So it's very hard for me. You know, I've, I've made attempts to do like a solo record. I'm, I'm doing air quotes right now for, for all the listeners <laughs> because I, I kind of cringe when I hear that. Oh, there he is with his solo record, you know, and it always disappoints. It always disappoints, right? The solo records, they always disappoint. They're never as good as, as the ones that they did with the band. Uh, so I've made attempts to write solo stuff, but it always ends up on Travolta's records because it just sounds like the Travolta's. Yeah. You know, and maybe, you know, when I write it initially, the production sounds different, but just add a, a distorted guitar and eh, there we are, it's Revoltas again. So <laughs> it's it's very hard for me to, to let that go. I did spend some time with another band uh, when I lived in Boston and we released a record, but it's it, it doesn't sound like Travoltas, but sometimes pretty close, you know. So at that point, I got to say, like, okay, what's the point? Then I might as well make it make a Travolta's record. And I think if I do ever do something on my own, it, it has to be very different because what's the point? You know, mm-hmm. what's the point of not, you know, sharing it with the guys and have fun with it and doing it together than doing it on my own and then still sound like Travolta's? Yeah, I get that. I mean, it does happen. I mean, like, you know, Joe Ramone released, uh, released his solo album and it could have just been a Ramones record, really. Yeah, it's so. like the Ramones. And, yeah. you know, they, they broke up, so, you know, it's understandable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't see the point of, of doing 
that while, while we're still going on. Then I should do something completely different, like a completely different genre or, or something that is, is more experimental or something. But if, if it sounds so close to the, to the band, then just do it with the band. Yeah. And I mean, it, it must be hard because it seems like some, you're somebody who's very creative as well. And like, I mean, for example, like, you know, when you did do uh, Club Nouveau, I don't even know how to pronounce that second word properly. Uh, but when you did that record, like you've got a song in there, like, you know, Song for the Jet Set, which is just completely different to anything you guys have done, you know, and that record scene, it just had a whole different feel to it. Um, it still has a Travolta's feel, but it's still a very different record for you guys how was that record received when it when it came out were, were the travolta's fans kind of puzzled or they got it well before the record came out we had a meeting at at roadrunner records the label that released the record and they came to us like okay we got to sit down and we we sat down with the marketing team and they asked us like how do we promote this we don't know how to promote this <laughs> because you know, we just had Team Beat the year before. And so we decided, okay, let's start with releasing Do It Again as a single and a video, and then Sugar Ride as a single and a video. Because those two songs are probably, you know, the most straightforward Travolta song on the record. Yeah. But they didn't know how to, how to place the other stuff. And, you know, Vince and I were at the meeting, and we said, look, we don't know either. <laughs> right? This is, we made this record because these were the songs that we wanted to make. And we were, we were not listening to punk rock at that time. We were listening to like heavy psychedelic stuff and dub reggae and, and drum and bass. And, and that was the rage was already over by then, but still we were listening to it. And some of the underground R&B that we, we ran into during tours and stuff. So we were not in a, in a punk rock mind. And we just had to make that record because I don't think we were able to do like an endless summer or even the high school reunion. We weren't able to make that record at that time because our minds were in there. We were doing something different. Yeah. And, uh, it was at the time we were, we were a little bit angry at the record company that, that they didn't know what to do with it. And, uh, but in retrospect, yeah, I, I get it because, you know, we admitted it too. Like, we didn't know how to promote it. Uh, when we played it live, it was very challenging for us because we had all these different elements that were very hard to do live. And, and we, we, we pulled it off, but it was very, very challenging. We learned a lot from it. And I think one of the reasons why we returned to the sound of, of Endless Summer is that it just didn't translate live. And in the end... You know, the record, making a record and producing a record only takes so much time, but then you, you have to hit the road and take the songs to the stage and you, you feel the difference, you know, like when we would play a song from Modern World or Team Beat, the crowd would go, go nuts and there would, you know, people would be dancing and whatever, jumping off the stage. And then we would play a song off of Club Nouveau and people would just nod their heads. And maybe they, they liked the song, I don't know, but nothing, there was no energy. And yeah. that got us thinking like, okay, we probably, you know, we probably should, if we want to continue this band, we probably should do what we do best. And then we made Endless Summer. Wow.
get to you You were waiting for your ride I was trying to hide You can run it from another guy And I wondered who'd be next We'd have waited to my time And if we finally get it on Will you keep running back to the other side of town? I've been dreaming about this horse and line I guess it makes sense, you know, because, you know, bands do 
I mean, if you're doing the same thing and, you know, as you grow up, you know, especially, you know, through those years, you were probably listening to, you know, you've, you're li- as, I know that when I was growing up in the, especially in like the nineties and stuff like that, I was listening to so much different music. I was just taking in stuff from everywhere. And I still do that to this day. I just, I'm always listening to, you know, tons and tons of different things. Like I've got records from like fucking, you know, Taylor Swift to Annette Funicello to fucking Venom and Slayer and uh, Bathhead, you know, because I just love music. And I get the feeling yeah. you're probably the same in that regards, where you just love music and you don't give a fuck about what's cool or what's genre specific or anything like that. That's what I get from when I listen to the Trollers. It's like, yeah, these guys just like music. Yeah, and, and that is very important to us that we, when we write songs, that it's it's not about the genre. It's not about what people expect from us. This is how we are. This is how we write the songs, and we like we like the melody, we like the harmonies. <clears throat> That's always there. But, you know, sometimes we change things because that's where our hearts and minds are at the moment. At Club Nouveau, you know, a lot of a lot of fans from the older stuff didn't really respond well to it because it was such a departure sometimes. And, but I, you know, I think we made it up with, with End of the Summer. But, yeah, you're right. You know, we, we love music. We listen to all kinds of music. Not everyone in the band has a background as, as a punk rock. You know, some, some are diehard metal guys and some are diehard Britpop people. So, you know, you bring that together and you get a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And and now with Tim added to the band is, is a very is a very fresh wind. You know, he comes with a lot of different ideas and core progressions that we never used. You know, so there's a lot of interesting stuff uh, happening right now that I find very, very challenging and very interesting. That's why. That's what I'm looking forward to, man. I'm looking for for the next Travolta's release. I know that um, you guys just did the did a song. You just released a song for the Something to Do Records compilation thing that he does. Um, how new is that song? Like, uh, is that something you just wrote just recently, or is it a song you've been playing for a while and then just decided to release? No, I totally forgot that we were due on the October release, and. You know, we I went on vacation and we came back and I basically went through Dave from the Parasite. We 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 talk a lot and they said like, hey, you guys had that song due because he's sort of the middleman between the label and 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 us. And he asked us to do that song and I thought, oh fuck, we don't have we don't have a song. And I, we've been writing songs for for an EP and we've been writing songs for for a split single that's still still happening. But you know. Things just take very long with us because everyone's spread all over, so we, we don't really get to work together a lot. Mm. And so we were uh, we were talking on, on WhatsApp. We have we have a group app thing going on. So so does anyone have a have a few songs? Because you know we gotta we gotta pick one, we gotta record one fast, and we gotta do it in the next two weeks, and it has to be completed. And then Dan came. And he said, ah, I got I got a couple of songs lying around. So he sent me like three songs, including Find You There. And I thought, fuck, why, why would you send me this now and not when we were working on an album or something? Like, this is like, I, I loved it. Yeah, like from the start, I loved it. And it was very rough in the, in, the, in, the, in the demo version, but, you know, you could hear, you know, you could hear everything through it. You know, it's, it's there. So I said, okay, let's let's pick that one, and we worked on it. We rearranged some stuff and did the production, and, and then we started recording, and we had it 
I think in a week or so we had it. Wow! And then I mixed it and 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 sent it out. So it was uh, it was just lying there. I have no idea how long he has been. This was already a demo. It could be <laughs> it could be month. It could be years. I have no idea. I, sh- I should ask him that. <laughs> uh, but it was it was one of those happy accidents. Like oh, we got this song left. You know, like a le- almost like a leftover song. You know, and then it turns out to be be this. Feelings stay 
I'm very happy with it. It was awesome to record it and to do all the harmonies with Tim and and figure out the arrangements and and do something different that is, you know, and you don't have the pressure of an album and it doesn't have to be a part of a, like a whole group of songs or anything. So no restrictions. So. Uh, yeah, it was awesome to to work on, and I'm, I'm glad people respond so well to it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, does this? I guess this is you probably you're probably going to get hassled this like endlessly now. I guess this is maybe a sign that there might be more Travolta stuff coming soon. There's absolutely uh, more Travolta song uh, stuff coming soon. We have an EP ready uh, for a year and a half now. I only mixed it like earlier this year and we we hope to release it early next year we wanted to do it sooner and do shows around it but obviously that's not happening um so we don't want to wait too long we have we have some other releases coming up but definitely the ep is is a is a big one we wanted to do a whole album but it, it would just take too long for us right now so I think the EP would be a good one, and then maybe later some some uh, some releases here and there. Awesome. That sounds great. I can't wait. I mean, it's one of those things where you just constantly – I think I the first time I ever heard about you guys was when you did the split with the Apers, the 7-inch. Okay. Uh, I got that, and that's what turned me onto the Travoltas, and immediately from that moment I was hooked. I was like, this fucking band – Wow. And I just want to sort out everything. It's like, I need everything, you know, I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah. So that's what Appreciate happened. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So to know that there's a, there's new stuff coming, that's really, really exciting. I'm sure people are going to be stoked on that. I mean, I know you've got the reissues coming out as well. You've got or a reissue coming out as well. It's like, I'm going to pester you. I told you this on, uh, you know, offline as well. But is there going to be an endless summer reissue? Because I need that record on vinyl, and I'm not prepared to pay the fifty dollars that people ask for it. Yeah. So, so endless summer will turn twenty in two years. So I think it will be a, a nice point in its lifetime to do a reissue. We'll see. You know, if if there's if there's more demand for it, if people really really would like to have it then i think uh we can we can find a label to uh to do it i think it's uh it's one of my my favorite travoltas records it was already released on on vinyl but like you said you know who wants to pay 50 bucks for vinyl nowadays it's, that's insane so hopefully we can make it happen i think it's a good idea and and um yeah i hope uh, people people will appreciate it yeah maybe i mean were there any tracks that didn't make the albums that maybe you think are still good that maybe you, if, if you do do it, you could do it as like a deluxe reissue so that you aren't just reissuing the same record, but maybe add some things, you know, some bells and whistles type things. Maybe, you know, you order this vinyl and you'll get the bonus seven inch of these cuts that didn't make the record or something. Yeah, those cuts, they ended up on uh, on the high school reunion. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so we kind of depleted our resources when we came to the uh, to the high school reunion there there are some leftovers from mental summer and some some stuff that were that was actually pretty old even from the modern world days and now it's all new stuff you know we don't really have anything old lying around to be honest i cannot even find any stuff that we haven't recorded like sometimes i find old demos of songs but it's all been released by now so i think we depleted it because you know we used to we used to release a record every year, so you know you gotta you gotta write a lot of songs to make that happen. And, and <laughs> yeah. those that don't make the cut, you know, they they ended up B sides of singles that we released. So we kind of depleted the whole the whole well to be to be uh, to be sure. 
Well, it sounds like you guys are prolific anyway in your songwriting, so I'm sure it wouldn't be too hard for you to come up with some new material, which is uh, exciting because I think this kind of the world kind of needs it. We need more music that is just fun to listen to and just. You right. know, when when you hear it, it makes you think of good times, not negative. Yeah. And, you know, and we don't need another punk record about El Salvador or something. We need good time music right. that we feel good about when we listen to it. It makes us smile. It's good to play in the car during the summertime when you're cruising. You know, all yeah. of that stuff. I, I agree. I think I think that was always what we set out to do. Not that there's you know there there is a, a place and time for for music with a with a message, mm-hmm. uh, but. Uh, that's not the Travoltas, you know. The Travoltas is a band that is a is a fun band, and maybe it can mean something in in your life personally because you, you were listening to it at the at, at a certain time in your life, or, or when something happened and it, it gave you comfort or something. That is different. But I think uh, we we set out to make music that you want to listen to no matter no matter what's happening in the world. You know, mm-hmm. this is. Sort of an uh, sort of an escape to to the good times, I would yep. say. And we thank you for it. We definitely do because <laughs> it is it is perfect good time music. I've gotten so many people into you guys just because you know people that I know that don't really get into just like the you know the hard and fast Ramon stuff, but they still kind of like it, but they just don't love it. And then I like I would give them songs like by you guys. I you know I, I always used to put uh, you and me on every mixtape ever, and okay. uh, people just fucking love that song. You know, awesome.
great catchy tune in fact i played it to my housemate uh, today while she was making pancakes and said hey i'm going to be talking to the guy from this band i played it to her and she, she immediately said she goes i've never heard of that but i really like it so that's awesome still, that's great to hear still resonating to this day man so. <laughs> nice to hear <laughs> i feel that i've kept you for a very long time it's been an hour and i really do appreciate it i know it's a, a sunday morning for you and you've probably got better things to do than sit on the internet and talk to strangers oh, but... <laughs> I, love, I, I love talking to you uh, Thanks for doing this. It was it was fun. It was. It was. And just before I let you go, though, I'm going to have to ask you a question that you've probably ans- answered somewhere before, but it'll save me having to go looking online for it. But why Travolta? What was it about? Was there a movie that you watched of Travolta that you liked or, you know, is there some particular story? So the guy who came up with this name. So let me let me let me back up a little bit. John Travolta at that time when we started was sort of a he was out of the picture right he was it was at the end of the 80s 1990 when we started he was not a an actor that he was sort of like a bc rated actor at that time and then we thought okay we could take that take that name because we were looking at we were looking for like a family name like the ramones you know mm-hmm. like like any other other band that is inspired by the ramones you pick a name that is that can be someone someone's last name <laughs> uh, so the so the guy who said, "Oh, well, let's do the Travoltas." He quit the band after like two years, even before we made a record. <laughs> and then we were stuck because we were already doing shows and we had some following, had a couple of demos out, and so we decided, "Okay, let's stick to it." And then we, I think we did uh, an EP, we released that, and then fucking John Travolta makes Pulp Fiction, and he's all back again. Like we. We felt like, fuck, shall we change it now? Because, you know, we're not fans of John Travolta, you know, not at all. You know, (laughs) I wouldn't say the opposite, but we're not fans. It's like I'm very very neutral to the guy. So, uh, but, you know, the name was already there and it stuck and people remembered it. So we just went for it. Looking back, I, I wish we changed it. It's not my favorite part of the band, the name, which is not important. But then again, you know, it's sort of too late, I guess, change it. So we'll just have to run with it. <laughs> after after 30, after, after, uh, 30 years, it's it's too late to change it. <laughs> True. <laughs> I do got to ask, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you probably know if he's heard of the band or has heard the band or 
anything like that? I don't. I don't know. Uh, I've never heard anything or any of you know from his management of the name. So that was you know sometimes our fear that you know he would say something that or his management would say something that we couldn't use the name or never heard anything ever. So he's probably not even aware. I mean, we're not like a huge band, you know. It's not like we're we're flying in the radar in, in, in his in his world, you know. We we don't exist in his world. So I, I think it's fine. I I don't think he ever heard about us. And if he did, you know, I hope he likes it. And if not, you know, sucks for him. Sucks, sucks to name <laughs> Travolta. <laughs> well, that's a really cool story in itself anyway, and I'm glad that uh, I don't have to go searching on the internet now to find out where the name came from. So I do appreciate that, and I'm sorry if you've had to tell that people that story a million times before that's in your fine. 30 years that's career. I, <laughs> I, I don't mind to clarify it every now and then. <laughs> awesome. Well, Perry, like I said, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out on this Sunday and uh, we, I'm just yep. excited. There's more Travolta stuff coming. That's awesome. Yeah, cool. I'll, I'll keep you posted. I'll keep you posted on uh, what, we've, what we've got cooking. Awesome. Sounds great, man. Well, have the best weekend ever, um, whatever it is cool. you choose to do, and I will catch up with you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, man. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Turn on!